0: From Booksmart Studios, this is Lexicon Valley, a podcast about language. I'm John McWhorter, and listen to that music in the background. That is from the 1978 Broadway production of the Fats Waller Music Review, Ain't Misbehavin'. And the reason I have it on is not just because this number, the famous This Join is Jumpin', is glorious, but because listen to what Andre DeShields says at the end. Don't give your- Don't give your right name. No, no, no. I learned that idiom from this recording, and you hear it now and then, especially in old things. I wouldn't use right that way, although I'm imagining that there are possibly Americans who still do. But it's a nice illustration of just the word right in its core meaning, which is correct. And the reason that I want to discuss that is because of something that was brought to my attention by Lenore. I know you're listening, and I told you that this sounded like a Lexicon Valley episode, and this is the one. And so what Lenore was asking me about was the fact that in our neighborhood you often see derecho, the word for right in Spanish. And she was noticing that it looks like a word that she knows from Jewish expression as off the Derek, as in you're going off of the right thing, so to speak. And that refers to not doing the right things religiously. You're getting off of the path. Well, derecho, okay, and Derek. Certainly, those two things are going to be related, right? But then, why? And let's do this show about this issue of what happens to the word right. Right starts as right, of course, except it's Old English, and so it's riecht. Except since it's Old English on Lexicon Valley, it's riecht, because everybody speaking Old English is kind of tired. So, riecht. And that goes back to a Proto-Indo-European word, the granddaddy language spoken in Ukraine. The original root would have been reg, And that's easy for us to wrap our heads around because it sounds like regular. And there's a reason for that, which we'll discuss. But reg would have been the original root. And it would have meant something like straight and proper. And reg becomes reet in Old English. So it's something that's correct. But this is the thing. Right in English is an interesting little bloom. It's like a three-petaled flower. There is something that's right, as in straight and correct. Then you have your right hand. And if you think about it, Why is it that the right side comes from something that starts out meaning, say, straight and correct, and then you have your rights? It's the same word. And you can get the relationship. It's your straights and corrects. It's things that correctly belong to you. But it's those three things. And something else that I discussed with Lenore is why is it that in French it's the same way with droit? We need to dig into this. So, first of all, the original meaning is just straight, right? Right? but then you can extend it. If most people are right-handed, then there's going to be a natural sense that the right hand is the real one. It's the proper one. And so there was an extension of right to mean not only just straight and proper, but the straight and proper hand. No offense to lefties, but there are more righties, and this was the sort of thing that happened especially more openly back in the past. And in fact, the original Old English word for the right hand was the stronger hand, the swifter hand. And the left hand was the weaker hand, the winster hand. So the stronger hand and the weaker hand. Then later on, the idea comes in that your stronger hand is the right hand. And wouldn't you know, left comes from Luft, which is spelled just like the car service. And Luft meant weak. Lame, and so your strong hand, your weak hand. Then you get your right hand, your straight and your proper hand, and <laughs> your weak and your lame hand. That's kind of natural. You can expect that that might be how humans process those things. But then, where do you get your human rights? It's certainly not your human right hand. It's more about this straight and the proper. That is something that may but may not happen in terms of the concept of rights. And that is something that happened in French. And so, English modeled that usage of right from French after the Norman invasion, when French became the quote-unquote high language. French was the language used in writing, in which things like human rights were more likely to be discussed. And next thing you know, things that are in writing jump the rails into elevated and then after a while, mundane speech. And so, we can jump over the channel. What's going on with right with French? Well, you have droit in French, D R O I T. Now that originally came, believe it or not, from Latin's directus. You go from directus to droit. In Latin, directus meant straight, and it's that same root that came from. It's reg, except it comes out cleaner in Latin. Everything seems to come out kind of clean in Latin. Directus was basically disregulate. Now, you'd think that to dysregulate something would be to make it less straight. But the thing is, in Latin, there were kind of two disses. One dis meant to discombobulate things, to disaggregate things, to take things apart. But there was another dis that was kind of like the re that I touched on in a recent episode. There was a dis that was just vaguely emphatic. An example of that is a word that we hear a lot, which is disgruntle. Disgruntle. Now, if you think about it, disgruntled, whatever that means, gruntled does too. So if somebody is disgruntled, they act a certain way. But if they're gruntled, are they happy? Is a person gruntled that they got their new umbrella in the mail? No, I don't think so. Gruntled is annoyed and disgruntled means that you're, you're really annoyed. That's what it was. Disregulate was the same thing. As weird as it sounds to us, dysregulate meant to really regulate things, to put things on the straight and narrow. And so you start out with something like dysregulare, and then you have directus, and then after a while you have directus. If you say it over and over again, it's going to be directus. And then, as this evolves into French, right now we're still on the vulgar Latin side of the line, but directus, as this evolves into French, well, stuff happens. For one thing, French doesn't like endings. So, directus is going to become something like directa, and then just direct. And then, of course, today, droit in the masculine. So, directus, directe, direct, dre, <laughs> right there. And then, in French, eh often becomes wa. It doesn't feel natural, but actually you can wrap your head around it by just going to that wonderful city of Montreal. And very quickly you learn that one of the things in it is a, a royal mountain, Mount Royal, Mont Royal. Well, that's Montreal. I don't know the exact story, but you know, people came and you know they said, well, I take this this Mont Royal as mine and we're gonna found a city, that sort of thing. But the thing is, the way it was pronounced back in the day was Montréal and then the re over time became roi now more specifically Canadian French had Montréal and then this a went to Roi over across the water and so Mont Royal so real royal well dre, droit and so that means that you can start with directus this latin word and it can become droit That's why French is weird in that way. But if you understand this, then you see that droit originally is just directus. It just means straight. Now then, suppose that it comes to mean the right hand. And so it's not just the straight thing. It's not just the right thing. But it is this right hand. And suppose that becomes the more prominent meaning in your mind. That is why, for example, that in French, you learn that the way to say straight ahead is Droit, all right, and that never makes sense from English. You think can't they come up with some other way of saying straight ahead? You know, like in German, right is rechts. You go right, but then if you're going to go straight ahead, then you go geradeaus. They have this other expression. But no, in French, you say all to the right. That's because originally droit. Just meant direct. So, tout droit just gives it a little bit of emphasis, kind of like re and dis, so that you're saying, no, I mean straight, straight. And so, droit is now right, tout droit is. All direct, as in let's go back to that original meaning. And that, of course, is why you have to toggle between these things these days. If you are of a certain age or older, then the first language you were taught was probably French because it was a tacit class marker roughly before 1985. I grew up in Philadelphia. Of course, the first language I have to learn is French. Sure were a lot of French speakers there. But then things tipped and people are more likely these days to be given Spanish first. And so in Spanish, todo derecho. Why that? You know, why is going straight ahead all right? Because derecho originally is just straight. Now, I know what some of you want to know. What about the political meanings? Left and right, and you know to tell you the truth, who am I to decide what 's interesting, but those are are kind of it just kind of was because of the national assembly in France, and so people of a certain politics sat on the left, certain politics sat on the right, and there you go, But it gets me thinking of something that probably isn 't interesting either, but you know what it 's time for it 's time for a song. this is a recreation of the Broadway musical Call Me, Madam, in 1950. This was done back in the 90s. This is Cagney and Lacey's Tyne Daly singing the lead role. And yes, there was a song in it called The Washington Square Dance. And I dare you not to find it slightly infectious, and it's about the left and the right learning to get along on the dance floor. That's what Broadway musicals were like in 1950. But, you know, sometimes you've just got to jump in. Washington Square Dance, Irving Berlin, 1950. Now, wait a minute, boys. Wait a minute. You forget about your party, and you forget about your party. This happens to be my party, and I'll tell you what you're going to do. Square dance, a Washington Square dance. Republicans make up with the Democrats. Show those foreign diplomats that you dare dance, a Washington Square dance. No matter what side you're on, or where you stand, take your partner by the hand and eat square dance. The rules are the same as cricket, golf, or squash. No fair cheating, cause the Washington Square dance is square. Out to your partners, out to your corners. Dance to your cheeks so red as a rose, but try not to step on your partner's toes. Now duck for the oyster. There are all sorts of things that this directus can do for you. So for example, direct you're going to make straight for something. Ad directiare. You're going to make straight to something. Too straight ahead of I. in a way. This is how Latin went. Ad directiare, right? Ad direct, address, address, address. <laughs> That's where address comes from. Ad directiare is to make straight to. And we know that word as address, but this odd directiare starts as the label, like where the thing is going to be sent to, where it's going to be made straight to go to. But these things have a way of changing. If it's the label, then it's rather natural to start thinking of the place that the label refers to as the address. So first, it's the address, as in you know that thing with lines and numbers. Then it becomes the place so that you can reside at an address. You can be seeking a new address. These sorts of things happen. Things tend to broaden. So you start with this narrow thing, like the label with the data. And then it becomes a house with a yard. It's like if you're in a plane. Nowadays, are you noticing? Well, there are two things to notice. One, have you noticed that all pilots are the same man? They all have the exact same voice. And it couldn't be training because nobody could be trained to do that particular voice. I don't know how that happens. They clearly screen out people who have any kind of different voice than that one. And then also notice that they'll say, well, we're going to hit some weather. And what they mean is the turbulence. They mean a specific kind of weather. But instead, they just say, well, we're going to hit some weather. And so they've taken a very specific thing, and they're referring to it with a very broad term. I mean, what else are you going to hit? Like, if it's not turbulent, aren't you still hitting weather? You're not hitting dark matter. It's still weather, but you're hitting some weather. Or my favorite example of this kind of semantic transformation. If you are not going to school as a child in New York City in the late 19th century and early 20th century, there were people who would go after kids who weren't in school— And it was the people who were trying to keep children from being truant. It was the anti-truancy board. Okay. But what people started referring to it as was the truancy. If you don't go to school, the truancy is going to come get you, which is a different meaning. Because it's supposed to be people who are against truancy. It's not that truancy is coming to get you. In any case, that's what happened with address. And it's also why in Spanish you learn that address is not adreso or something. It's dirección. Because of this original meaning, which is that directus, it's where things are being directed. Now, French has adresse, and that's where we get it, but it's interesting. We have two Ds in it, and French doesn't. Why do we have two Ds? It's this asshole. He actually needs to be given a name, although he wasn't one person. But there was this person who would look at words in English from roughly 1400 to 1600 and jam in letters that we no longer pronounced that were in the original Latin word because the idea was that these words were supposed to, in writing, salute the way they were pronounced in Latin because Latin was better. And so soldier lost its L and was pronounced soger. And then this person puts in the L, and you know, doubt is spelled daubit for the same reason. We have the two Ds in address because odd ad directiare had two Ds because odd ended in a D and directiare began with one. But no, we have to have address tripping up probably some poor child right now, as I'm recording this, or as you are listening to it later. It's just one of those things that isn't fair, and it's this guy. We should call him something like um Pris Puss McLatin fetish. That's who he was. Address is an endlessly interesting word. My girlfriend and I were driving to the supermarket one day, and we got to talking about intersections versus intersections, and how you have an intersection between topics, but you go through an intersection, something about English you never think about. Then we talked about address, and she was saying address or address, and I was saying, well, you know, address and address are one of those things, because there's a part of me that feels like address is a little bit lower class than address. I'm not sure if you all feel that way, but for me, address is proper an address is something that somebody might say that's a little little slangier a little more regional that may be completely arbitrary especially because address is what it's supposed to be you rebel you're a rebel that's our our theme our leitmotif for Lexicon Valley for the whole 7 years the backshift So if you outlaw something so that you don't have to deal with outlaws, well, then you address a golf ball, you direct something to it, get it, right? You address the golf ball, but then you live at an address. So I'm sitting here resisting things like it would be as if I didn't want to say the WhatsApp. Notice that that's changed. It used to be that it was WhatsApp. More and more now you hear it called a WhatsApp. That's because of the backshift. When it becomes a thing, then you shift backwards. But one more. That word dressage with horses, I assume, usually, you don't dressage a cat or you don't dressage a dog, it's a horse, right? So, dressage, it's the same thing. You're always thinking in English, I'm not putting a dress on it, you know, or I'm not giving it clothes. It's dressage because of direction. That's what the dress comes from. And of course, you are directing the horse, you are making the horse not. Try to kill you the way one did when I was in a production of Three Penny Opera. I was in it as Tiger Brown, and they had me at the end riding out on a horse. And it was a real horse, and I had to take three weeks of lessons. And for some reason, the horse had been working in the San Francisco Opera for eons, but got afraid in this little college theater. And so it got stage fright, and it started whinnying and rearing up and then slipping on the stage. If I had been more accomplished at dressage then that wouldn't have happened to me. Also Slavic. French was a model. And so English modeled itself on French because of the Norman invasion situation. If you've read some Russian novels from a certain period, then you know that the aristocratic characters lived in French. There was so much of a prestige with French. And so, in, for example, Russian, if it's to the right, it's not prava. If it is correct, it's pravilna. And human rights is pravacilovjeka. And so you have that same modeling where you have that bouquet of rights. German too. I just feel the need to say so. I don't have anything interesting to say about it, but it's the same thing. Genau. I think we need another song right now. We need a show tune with the word director in it. And I couldn't help thinking of Cole Porter's song from Something for the Boys, one of his less interesting musicals of 1943. But of course, it had songs, and one without enough to do collects those songs. One of them was called Leader of a Big Time Band. Very dated. It's all about big band leaders, and you know nowadays most of it requires footnotes. But it occurred to me that in the first part of this song, the verse part, there actually is a setting of the word director. So let's listen to that and then a little bit of the chorus because, of course, one must. This is Cole Porter, Something for the Boys. This is introduced by Ethel Merman. There's no recording of her doing it. And so in this modern recreation, we are hearing Elizabeth Stanley. If a girl in any sector makes you feel like the puppy called Hector And you're longing to subject her To elector your wife and protect her If she's just as sweet as nectar But of your job she's no respecter Become a top and a director And you never, never will miss In the old days when a maid desired to win Any man who'd foot the bill could fill the bay So now, let's get to off the derrick, this this expression. You're going off the road. You're not straight. You're going off the derrick. And it does look like derech. I would never have thought of that. But, you know, derrick is from the Hebrew word that refers to where you walk, a path, a way. And so the Hebrew expression, bederech klal, on way general, generally on the usual Road, And so that's where Yiddish gets it, because Yiddish starts as German, then it has a whole lot of words from Slavic, and then from, of course, Hebrew, and a little bit of Aramaic. So, off the derech is taking a word from Hebrew, but still, there is an issue here. So, derech. Now, Hebrew is a Semitic language, and so everything is about the consonants. The consonants are the word. The vowels change all over the place and dance around the consonants. And so, kotev, read, katav, read, that sort of thing. So, derech, okay. I can't help noticing, and I'm not the first person who's noticed this, that derech looks like Germanic's through word. So, German for through is durch. Derek, de, Duch, And then, even in English, a word like through or thorough. th and d are very similar. And through and thorough are th, r, and then you go by the spelling and you've got a r at the end. And r is just a softer form of H. And then durch is about going through something, like a door. You're on a path. It's about direction. And so you're thinking, well, is there a relationship between derech and something like durch? Supposedly, the derech is some Semitic root with a history of its own. But then the durch is some Proto-Indo-European root that is teret. But notice there's something missing. And so you've got the t, you've got the r, but what about the ch? And if you kind of dig, you find out that they're thinking that, well, it was terra, and then there was a k at the end that meant and, meaning that duch originally goes back to a situation where you say kind of through and, something like that. But is that really the way it was? Maybe, isn't it, that there's a relationship because it has been ventured, and it hasn't convinced A whole lot of linguists, but it's been ventured and I think very cleverly and it's something that ought to just be in the air that there are Germanic words that come from Semitic. There's an idea that the Phoenicians, in particular, who were very seaworthy people, would have come from the Mediterranean and sailed all the way up to, for example, what is now Denmark. There's no concrete evidence that they got that far. They got about as far as Iberia, but maybe they kept going. Maybe nothing would stop them. And it might explain that about one in three words that you can trace back from English, German, and Yiddish, and Dutch and the gang, to Proto-Germanic, don't go any further back than that. It seems like Proto-Germanic, probably about 3,500 years ago, got this big boatload of words from some other language. It may have been, and you know, probably was people who were already there, but possibly Semitic because of things like this. There are people who noticed that the word for seven- is ominously similar in, for example, Germanic and Semitic languages. And so just maybe this, this thing, but you have to be very careful because many coincidences happen. So, for example, Derek down in the Mediterranean looks even more like Latin's directus than it does German's "duch." And yet, there's no possible story that one could tell that would explain why there would be this Semitic word in Latin. That just that just doesn't work at all. So, probably it's an accident that derecho and off the derech are the same thing. Although, boy, it certainly looks like it. In any case, right is the same root as what comes out in Latin as regular and regulate, It's just that in English, the G-H falls off, and so it's hard to tell. Right should kind of be reicht or something like that, and then it would seem more like regular and regulate. And what happens, though, in English is that right, because it loses the G-H and the vowel changes, ends up sounding accidentally like the word right, R-I-T-E, which is actually from a different Latin word, ritus, And ritus came from a Proto-Indo-European root that meant reason, so completely different. So right, as in your right hand, and right, as in throwing salt over your shoulder, aren't supposed to sound the same. That's a complete accident. That's just how these things go, despite the fact that if you think about it, reason is pretty close to right and correctness. And so, right, right, and right. French models what English does, French models what Slavic, say, for example, Russian does, and then derech down in Semitic land is a completely different root that not only seems kind of like directus, but also has a related meaning. It's probably an accident, but that means that derecho and derech seem like they are the same thing when, in fact, they come from very, very different sources. In any case, this episode has been all about rabbit holes and rabbits. Make me think about spring. And here is some some right music. Don't give you a right name. Here is some right music, correct music, for the season of spring. And it is the Rite of spring. We're gonna listen to the spring round section of the Rite of Spring, which I think is quite beautiful. Some of you might think of it as very gloomy, but I'll bet An equal number of you will at least like it better than leader of a big-time band. So here is Spring Rounds, which I've always thought was very affecting. If you'd like to leave a comment or subscribe, please visit booksmartstudios.org. Our producer is, as always, Mike Volo. Come on, that's pretty. Listen to that. Mike, turn it up a little bit. It sounds like the beginning of something. And it sounds like people thinking about the beginning of something. Anyway, go to booksmartstudios at gmail.com to send questions because every two weeks I answer two questions that people send in. It's lots of fun, but I can't do it unless we get the questions. And so send them into booksmartstudios at gmail.com. Our theme music was created by Harvest Creative Services, and I am John McWhorter.